Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, good afternoon to you. A very warm welcome from all of us here at AusBiz. This is the call. We know it. We love it. Ten stocks picked by you, two expert guests over the course of an hour. So let's get straight to it. I can hear them already. Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory. Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Hi, guys. Welcome to you both. How are you feeling on this Friday as an investor, Henry? Uh, pretty chipper. Thanks, Nadine, for having me on. Hi, Andrew. Uh, it's, um, yeah, pretty chipper. The, the market's a little bit quieter today. U.S. market sort of trod water. We are seeing a bit of a sell-off in uranium stocks, which is really nice because uh, I'm quite uh, keen to get set there in some of those uranium names. So, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, the market still seems to be hanging in. Everyone seems to be quite optimistic. So nothing to disturb that kind of theory at the moment. Nothing to rock your boat up there in Tamworth there, Andrew? Or even Toowoomba for those playing at home. Oh, um, Toowoomba. <laughs> My bad. It begins to We get confused with Townsville often as well. Um, so we, uh, we're, we're feeling okay. I've just come back from a conference uh, in Noosa, NEW-SA. And um, basically the, the takeaway there was that tech, spot, tech stocks are expensive. You know, you're being asked to pay 30 times earnings, but their return on equity is 30% and they're still driving down costs. So to Henry's point, as long as the magnificent, well, it was seven, but we dropped Tesla at the magnificent six hold up, that should be supportive for equity valuation short term. So, you know, we're still feeling okay too. All right. Well, there's your pulse check with these two mates to start the hour. Let me just run you through what stocks they'll be talking about and ETFs, of course. Beta Shares Australian Quality ETF, Hillgrove Resources. We might learn something there. Global X Battery Tech and Lithium ETF. We call it the ACDC. Clarity Pharmaceuticals, Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals. So there you go. That gives you a bit of an update on what's to come. Let's get across the stock of the day, which is Boral. The company is upping its full year guidance forecasts after reporting a 36% spike in first half net profit, thanks to improved prices and cost reductions. Revenue also higher, though no interim dividend was declared because of the company's low franking credit balance. All right, so that is Boral. Boral, last I checked, was the best performer on market today. So let's get a view from my expert guests on Boral. Andrew, is Boral beautiful? <laughs> beautiful. Um, oh, look, it's okay. Um, I uh, I don't mind Boral. Uh, we we were sort of buying it in the five twenties and five thirties, so certainly it's nice to see a. Uh, 
okay, uh, up to that sort of, uh, what are we now, 589 for those playing at home. Uh, and you would expect that uh, a number of analysts, uh, you know, may have been caught by surprise on the on the positive side. And so over the next couple of days, as in Monday, Tuesday, you will see some upgrades coming through. Uh, and it's certainly good to see that they've got that cost control uh, going well. Uh, debt is under control as well. So certainly we don't mind it. Probably the only thing we need to be mindful of is simply things around supply chains and uh, availability of tradies. We'll talk a little bit later about Mervac and sort of that sort of build to rent model. And again, at this conference that I was just at, there was a lot of commentary around that. I won't spoil that, but certainly high level. Uh, Borrell is certainly a beneficiary of all that activity out there. And I'm still pretty comfortable with it. I'd still say it's a buy. Buy for Borrell. Can we get another B in here, Henry? How are you feeling today about <laughs> Borrell? <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that the analysts were surprised, to be honest, Nadine. I've got to say, you know, we, we've seen this with James Hardy. You know, they've got pricing power. They've got dominance in terms of these building products. Borrell has got pricing power. CSR has got pricing power. They push prices up and they push costs down with some discipline. And the market, they may scream and howl about uh, their uh, products being uh, priced a little bit higher, but those costs are just passed on to the poor old uh, renovation end user in some respects. So, you know, it, it's hardly a surprise when these companies have these dominant positions, they are able to squeeze uh, costs out and margins up. So I think it was a pretty good result for Borrell. Upgrading guidance, the stocks uh, had a 9% uh, higher today. We've seen uh, James Hardy has been on an absolute tear as well. Same sort of thing applies there. Uh, CSR, similar story as well. I, I think they all remain in the buy category, to be honest. But um, I'm surprised anyone was really surprised. We have seen this playbook. You know, you get dominance. You've got products that people want, can't do without. You've got to pay the price. You've got to pay the piper. Up they go. Uh, the only problem, I guess, with borrow to some extent is the liquidity. Bearing in mind, Kerry Stokes is uh, the majority shareholder there. So it doesn't leave much the rest of us to trade. But certainly, you know, this will get upgrades and uh, it will continue to push higher. Yeah. But, but is it expensive right now? I mean, would you pay today for it? Oh, well, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be chasing it, maybe. But, you know, the, the, the risk reward is you know starting to skew against you a little bit at 525, where Andrew very cannily was buying it. Obviously, uh, it was a it was a screaming buy uh, here at 590. It's obviously not so much of a buy, but I would no doubt the price targets we pushed up beyond six bucks, 650, uh, in which case, you know, there's still some upside there. But the, the big move. Has, uh, has come, but now it's probably a grind higher from here. So that is a hold or is it a buy? I'd probably have it in a hold. I'm not going to put a double buy on it only because it's uh, it's up 9% today, but it's definitely a hold. If you're a borrow shareholder, uh, hats off Kerry, uh, then uh, you've done very well today. Business is good. And uh, the same probably applies for CSR and uh, James Hardy as well. Yeah. All right. Um, look, thanks for that. And I guess Henry doesn't want to talk about Borrell next time the investment committee meets in about a month. Just a reminder no. that the investment <laughs> committee uh, most recent episode is up online. And you just look at the top of the Osbiz website, go to series and then find the investment committee. And it should be there. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the companies and the ETFs that have been nominated by you. And this one is for Jordan. It's the Beta Shares Australian Quality ETF, AQLT. Andrew, is your uh, client's money in it? Would you be putting client money in it? 
no and so no not a heap of clients money in it and would i be mm, we'll come to that in a moment um a small tease so what is it it's a uh, a quality factor etf so if we remember factors are determinants of share price lots of different determinants of share price growth value momentum income lots of different factors quality being probably uh, my favorite factor what's a quality factor high return on shareholders funds steady to increasing earnings steady to decreasing debt that is you know the definition of a quality business and so there's been a lot of interest in that quality factor and of course the one ETF to rule them all Henry what's it called again I can't remember its name uh, ACDC, isn't uh, it? You are so close. You are so <laughs> close. Qual. Uh, uh, now you got me about to say Qual. Of course, is the uh, is the one ETF to rule. That's the one and you, so, yeah. Well, yeah, because Qual has been an absolute family friendly TV, an absolute ripper. Uh, it's up something like 20, 30% over the last 12 months. And so quality as a factor is absolutely working. And if we're a little, still a little bit concerned about the economy, potentially it's slowing, uh, then you want to have quality businesses. So at a high level, yes, it's okay. But then if we then look at this particular ETF, what's in it, it's Australian companies. And by, simply by virtue of them being Australian companies, this ETF is full of banks and it's full of resources. Whereas if you look at Qual, it's full of tech. And, you know, we spoke briefly before about the Magnificent Six and how well they've performed. The companies in here aren't bad. You know, it's Macquarie and it's um, BHP and it's CBA. I mean, these are not terrible names by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, you're being asked to pay, what, $114, $115 for a CBA as an example at the moment versus a consensus valuation of 91. You're certainly not buying these quality companies with subdued earnings growth versus the US, which have got strong earnings growth. So I would struggle to sort of suggest that people look at this. It's not terrible. Uh, from a five-year point of view, it's returned 11% per annum relative to the Aussie index, which has returned nine. Interestingly, Nadine, it's only got about $44 million funds under management. So, you know, part of what we're doing is we're looking for flow. Where's the money going to? And it's certainly going into other ETFs it's not necessarily going at the same velocity or the same speed into this ETF. So it's okay, it's harmless, but it's certainly not one that I would be sort of really suggesting clients look at. We are more inclined, if you're looking at that quality factor, you either look at qual, or if you're worried about where the dollar's going, you'd look at the hedge version, QHAL. So this one's a hold, Nadine. Thank you. Okay, so what do you make of it, Henry? I mean, yeah. any strong uh, uh, yeah, I have. I mean, why bother? Let's face it. It's, uh, it's you know, th these guys, beta shares, have just made this up uh, to uh, to replicate the ASX. 40 high-quality companies is pretty much the index, let's face it. Uh, they're putting a little bit of an overview over on it in terms of uh, picking some stocks. But, you know, there's 10 stocks in Australia that make up 75% of the ASX 200. So why not just buy an ASX 200 ETF? I mean, this thing underperforms by about half a percent. What's the point? And the, the, the mere fact that it's only got 44 million bucks in it, I guess just suggests that this is a somewhat marketing exercise only, and uh, it's failed to launch. And so just stick with the uh, ASX 200 ETF. If you want index exposure, that is what's gonna get you index exposure. Why get pretend indexed exposure with less performance. It's just, 
It's just rubbish. Well, I wouldn't expect you to be anything but honest, Henry. And I can see Andrew wow. nodding there as well for those of you listening to this in podcast <laughs> form. All right, let's get to the second on our list, and that's a stock now, and it is Hillgrove Resources. This is for Keith. It says, we are financed, debt-free, fully permitted, resourced, and infrastructure-ready. Mining will, um, yeah, it has been going on for pretty close to a year. So this is, this is, um, you know, a, a re, uh, a re, bringing life to an old copper gold mine. Um, yeah. Yeah, is that a marketing exercise in your view, Henry? Uh, it's a, probably a lifestyle business for the directors. Uh, as many of these small miners are, they have a lifestyle to maintain. So they have these uh, dog and pony shows. They raise money. They pay themselves fees. The Hillgrove, there's nothing wrong with it. It is, it is going to be a producing copper mine. Uh, it's been around for a long time, threatening to produce. The problem is that no one cares at the moment about copper and no one cares about copper mines really and truly we've gone through the whole critical metals thing and it turns out they're not quite as critical as we thought copper is not quite as uh in uh, supply deficit as many thought this one's sort of languishing the volume for a seven cent stock is pretty anemic uh they make a big thing about the fact they're presenting at the Explore- explorers conference they even have a countdown in 14 days, in seven days. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with it. If you want some copper exposure, then fine, go for it. Uh, they have got some franking credits, which is interesting. They have got cash. It's not a huge market cap. It's come down from, uh, well, this is, you know, th- this one's been around for a long time with the same project. It has been a long time coming. I guess they're on the cusp. But yeah, it's, it's hard to get excited about copper at the moment, I must admit. For those that have got it, you probably want to hold it because you've been a very patient little Hector and it's time to, uh, maybe it's time to shine for this one. But I, you know, I think there's better things to be uh, investing in the speculative end of the market, I have to say. So it's a hold at best for me. Uh, if you've got it, keep holding it. It's been a long time coming. Maybe now we'll see some action. Okay, thank you, Andrew, uh, for Keith. Would you be buying Hillgrove Resources today? Yeah, copper, yeah, perhaps not the most in-demand material. No, um, I mean, I look at, if I'm being positive, I look at consensus, one, and uh, consensus valuation. Can you actually have a consensus of one? Does that actually make sense? Uh, consensus no. is uh, <laughs> 10. Thank you. Uh, consensus is 10 cents. So, you know, on a valuation basis, then potentially it might be something you'd at least sort of consider. But uh, I guess I look at that cash burn. They've got about two quarters of cash left. So, again, being an optimist, they're hoping to start production Q1 this year. Uh, you know, is that going to get them the cash or are they going to potentially have to go to unit holders or shareholders and ask for some more money? Uh, I One of my key measures, Nadine, is I'm looking at management and our management actually buying more shares, which they are. So, you know, when you see insider buying, that tells you that uh, the people who are running the business have confidence in it themselves as well. So I like that. But, uh, yeah, that weakness in the copper price, that cash or lack thereof, potential execution risk getting that sort of production started. There's lots of little things that just sort of saying to me, just pause, there's no rush here. So I agree with Henry, it is a hold. Thank you. Okay, let's get on to the next one. This one is an ETF, just to keep the pace up. And this is for Alan. So this is the Global X Battery and Tech Lithium ETF, ACDC, saying, look, it's gone down a lot to what he reckons is a support level. Um, 
I do own, I suppose, some of this ETF. Is it time to buy more, please? When you think about what's happened in the lithium space and still the decarbonization of the economy, which is a mega trend, Andrew, ACDC. Um, look, from my point of view, and so again, disclaimer: I own it in my um, own self-managed super fund. So please keep that in mind. What I'm about to say to you. Um, look, it's. I remember when lithium was on an absolute tear and there were certainly people sort of who were sort of throwing stones going, you know, you could have better exposure to the lithium play by having particular names. And in that particular time, they're absolutely right. But given that huge drawdown that we've seen in lithium and therefore lithium companies, um, this has actually proved to be a far more resilient way in which to get that lithium exposure, that broader thematic to battery tech than having individual names. There are absolutely some real opportunities in the lithium space at the moment. It's just carnage. But if you're boring, if your favourite flavour of ice cream is vanilla, as is mine, uh, but you're still a believer in that battery tech lithium story, then this to me is sort of the way to play it. Interestingly, though, the composition of the index has changed significantly. You know, when I first started buying, it was full of Tesla and all sorts of different things. You know, the major holdings are now Hyundai Electric, TDK, ABB and Volkswagen are sort of the biggest holdings in there. And Japan is now, from a country point of view, that is about 26% exposure. Over the period of the life of the ETF, it's still up around 13% per annum, despite all the pain that we've gone through over the last 12, 18 months. I can't help but think there's an opportunity to be picking this up. But just to be very clear, given how much pain that's going through in that lithium space, and we have the Lion King with us today, uh, there will come a time where the names of like the Pilbara's of the world and so forth will be a screaming by, if not already. And so if you're trying to play that thematic, that's probably a better way of doing it. If you're boring, you want to have the mega trend, but you don't really know which one to buy, then this to me is a buy. It's a buy. There you go. Um, Henry, would you be buying you ACDC today? You see, Nadine, my favourite flavour is hokey pokey. Oh. And you put your left leg in, you put your right leg out. Um, ACDC, I've got to say, this is the wrong code for this. Let's face it, it should be called car. You know, it's got Volkswagen, Honda, Mercedes, BMW and Hyundai Electric. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's a car ETF. Uh, it's not a, a, a lithium ETF. You're going to say something here, aren't you? Sorry, I was going to say you are bang on. Like right at the moment, it's just full of all the car manufacturers. Yeah. Um, when you look at it, say I started buying this five years ago. Five years ago, it literally was all the lithium miners. And again, that's, I guess, one of the benefits of the index. The index changes relative to the size and the usage of these particular lithium companies. But you're right, bang on at the moment. It's it's more actually if you just want to get exposure to global automotive, this is actually what it really yeah. is at the moment. You're on, Henry. They should call it AUTO rather than ACDC. Um, you know, clearly there has been an awful lot of pain in the lithium market and uh, an awful lot of people have made a huge amount of money and an awful lot of people have given a huge amount of money back. I was at a lunch yesterday in uh, Sydney with a big uranium focus uh, for Chinese New Year. And I heard some horrific stories about people that should have known better, that rode the lithium wave all the way up and all the way back down again, and were crying in their um, chicken sang choy bao, and were just looking at it thinking, what did I do wrong? And they got greedy, and everybody 
got greedy. They thought it was going to last forever. Now, we've had the shakeout. We're now starting to see some uh, potential uh, bargains appearing, and we're seeing some signs of life in the lithium space. I have to say, it is early days. The one that I like looking at at the moment is uh, LTM, which is the marriage between Alchem and Livent, now called Arcadium. Uh, which had a pretty rocky start to its married life. There was no carrying it across the threshold and celebrating on their wedding night for that one. It was just a disaster from woe to go. There was serious food poisoning in that one. But it has been showing some signs of life. Pilbara, there's still 615 million shares shorted in Pilbara. If that's not looking for a a squeeze, I don't know what is. Even Liontown's perked up. It's back up to a dollar ten. There are signs of life in this lithium market. A lot of people are looking for the bottom. I'm not sure ACDC is the way to play it. It is uh, a far more conservative way to play it. But I just, I don't, I don't want to invest in Volkswagen, BMW, uh, Hyundai, or Mercedes. To be honest, I, I, I want to invest. If you're investing in battery tech and lithium stocks, just invest in battery techs and lithium stocks don't don't go with acdc mm-hmm. there you go differing opinions that's what makes a market um let's get to the next on the list shall we and that is clarity pharmaceuticals so i think i'll start with you henry on this one let's just see who this one is for and remember guys out there watching eric this includes you CU6 is the ticker code. This is information only. This is not financial advice that is tailored to your particular circumstances. So you need to keep that in mind and get advice to do your own research at the very least before you make any decisions, even based on what these smart gentlemen have to say. (laughs) So radio pharmaceutical products is the go at uh, Clarity Pharmaceuticals. So um, what do you make? It's... uh, therapy and imaging products it's got its own technology for it is this someplace who is who is calling you they must really no, want to get a hold of you it's my wife oh hello hello to henry's wife um okay hello, jane. so do you believe jane i knew yeah jane um so the tech pat- platform is this something that you would be willing to help fund as an investor henry I've got to say, Nadine, I I don't mind this one. It's had an almighty run. We've we've got a really good Australian biotech story going here. And medtech, yeah. And medtech. Cochlear, uh, CSL, ResMed, Neuron Pharmaceutical, Clarity Pharmaceuticals. They've got cash. Uh, We're going to talk about another one a little later as well. They've got some cash. Um, I I don't understand the science behind it. I'm not a a prostate cancer expert by any stretch of the imagination. But certainly uh, they are going well in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of their progress with their phase one, two, three trials. They've got a good pipeline there. It's had an almighty run. I'm not sure whether too much optimism has been built into it. I think for me, it's at these kind of levels, $2.65, it has come back off its highs. I'd probably be uh, in the hold camp rather than anything else. But certainly if it pulled back towards $2.25 again on the chart, I think it's probably a buy there. So it's good quality. It's heading in the right direction. They've got nearly 38 million bucks in cash. Uh, They're well financed. They've got a good year planned. I won't even try and pronounce the different uh, drugs. They've got something called Combat Sabre and Clarify. That's probably the easiest way to do it. But uh, they've got uh, a number of, uh, of uh, irons in the fire. 
I, I don't mind this one at all. And we should be celebrating our biotech sector and not um, you know, keep talking about it in binary terms because we do have medtech, biotechs. We do do very well. We punch above our weight mm -hmm. in this sector. And I think this is one that's got a, a, a bright future. It's only a, well, I say only a $700 million market cap. But um, yeah, again, you know, it's all about the revenue. And it's all about jam tomorrow. But they're progressing here it's a hold for me. Okay, don't know if you'll have enough time to call Jane back on Andrew's answer, but maybe you can do a quick text to let her know that you're occupied yeah. right now. Henry, it's Andrew, Clar dinner. Clarity Pharma. I mean, <laughs> if you did get in at the beginning, would you be tempted to take a bit of profits right now? Oh, look, that's a really tough question, Nadine, because I look at the one year return, and we just saw the chart before, it's up 200 odd percent. So certainly protection of capital being job number one, that would be high on my radar to maybe take a little bit of money off the table. But to Henry's point about, you know, the various stages that they're at relating to their um, program and uh, in particular the success they're having, albeit small numbers at this stage, but the significant success they appear to be having relating to that prostate cancer treatment, which is obviously a significant issue here, not only in Australia, but also globally. Uh, I also like the fact that uh, you've got management buying the stock as well and significantly. So, you know, not only are you seeing the share price kick up, but you're also seeing insiders buy it as well. And if I was an insider and I was a bit worried about the share price, you'd almost intuitively think they'd actually be knocking off shares. They wouldn't actually be buying shares. So I, the other thing I look at with these smaller companies, not that that's that small, it's uh, nearly knocking on the door of a billion dollars. What I also look at is that cash number that Henry just alluded to before, and they've got about $38 million in the bank, and they've certainly got enough money to see them through to the end of this calendar year. One of the big dangers with any of these sort of biotechs or miners is that they've only got one or two quarters of cash. They sort of have this amazing announcement. There's a spike and surprise, surprise, they're out there issuing shares. Uh, that certainly is potentially a risk with this later this year, but certainly in the short term, they've got plenty of money in the bank. So look, I think it's probably, I'm with Henry, it's probably a hold. And on any pullback, you might consider buying it because if they can get uh, the right results, uh, A, it's not only a good thing from a societal point of view, obviously, but B, then one of the big pharma companies from either Europe or the US might say, that's really interesting. We'll have a piece of that. Thank you. So it's a whole, but one that I'm watching um, pretty closely. It's a really interesting business. Got it. Thank you, guys. Okay. Look, I think that the conversation around the next company might be a little bit different. This is for Philip saying, uh, look, Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals, P-A-R, he says they can't seem to handle the cash burn as the cap raise doesn't seem to do enough. Do the experts still have faith in the company's management? So it's worthwhile noting that uh, its share price is, um, you know, it's down by 76%, 77% in the past year. Like, is this a real concern, Andrew, is a going concern? Uh, they actually came out with an announcement this morning, I think, and I might let Henry speak to that because um, I think he commented on it a little bit earlier. But just for, prior to seeing that announcement, uh, you're right. Um, they're not going to run out of money because they just went and re recently went and raised some money. Uh, but that's probably actually my first issue, which sounds a bit counterintuitive based on my comment before. What I mean by that is that uh, they went and raised, they had a fully underwritten raising, which is great. That means that they were guaranteed the money in the bank 
the only issue being that they actually weren't able to get it all away. And so therefore you had some sub underwriters come into place. So that, what that basically means is someone said, look, we'll, uh, we'll take the stock if you can't get it all away. And so you've got all these sub underwriters that are basically holding shares that they paid 43 cents for, and the current share price is around 34, 35 cents. So that will actually weigh on the share price in the short term. Uh, they've also got some significant research and development funding, which again is great. You know, they're out there, they're trying to grow the, the market, they're trying to grow the business. Um, that's the whole reason they went out and raised that money. But again, you've got that cash burn issue potentially going to come down the track as well. So, And you're right, Nadine, the performance has been, um, how can I put it delicately, um, underwhelming. Um, over the last really five years, you know, last five years, it's down 20% per annum. And yet just looking at management's buying, uh, there ain't any. So uh, again, you know, there's a few factors at play there. Again, what they're doing, the whole anti-inflammatory space, it makes sense. It's a market, but for whatever reason, uh, the market is not buying it. And as I said, my biggest concern, simply supply and demand, all these sub-underwriters are left sort of holding stock and they're underwater, you know, 20 30%. So it's certainly, um, it's a hold at best. Ooh, hold, hold, okay. Um, what do you think, Henry? Anything to add? Um, you know, this was uh, Ben Clark from TMS's Capitals, uh, one of his favourite biotechs. And, and sorry, Ben, but it has been a bit of a dog. And Andrew is absolutely right in the terms of the, the cash burn is considerable. Uh, they've just raised 30 million bucks. And uh, they also have some options out there as well, which if they were exercised, would raise another 30 odd million bucks. So that would probably sort out uh, their cash burn and then need to raise any more capital. The problem is the option and the strike price is 65 cents. So that's not going to happen in a blue fit at the moment with the stock at 35 cents. Uh, they have had some good news. The cash burn is the problem. They just got another 7.3 million bucks uh, back for an R&D tax credit, which is obviously fills the coffers a little bit more. But it, it is just this this problem with cash. They reckon they've got enough to see through calendar year uh, 2024, which is great. But unless they get really good results and they can pick the stock up above sort of 60, 65 cents and get some of these options being exercised, then they are going to be tapping the market again for more money. It does go through cash. It's not unlike uh, the great cash burn company in the sky, uh, Mesoblast, which has, uh, I think it's, I think over the years, it's, it's raised around a billion dollars from shareholders. And still, you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving for brokers because they just love it. Uh, they get fees every time these guys do it, so they can always slap a buy on it. I, I'm a bit circumspect over paradigm, I must admit, at the moment. Uh, you know, the, I'm not a biologist. I'm not a uh, research chemist by any stretch of the imagination. I can just go through uh, what the company is telling me. It's a big market, but... Cash burn is uh, is crucial in these companies. If you burn it too quickly, you are continually going back to the market. You need to get the results. So for me, if you're a long-suffering shareholder, it's probably a hold at best, but I think there's better elsewhere in the, uh, the biotech sector. Thank you, guys. All right. Um, believe it or not, we are at the halfway mark. So let's just sum up what we've learned. For Boral, no agreement here. It is a buy. 
for Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory, but it is a hold. He's not going to be chasing it here, says Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Okay, the beta shares quality ETF, AQLT. Henry says, why bother? You know, why wouldn't you just get an ETF that gets you exposure to the ASX 200? He calls it a marketing exercise. And as we know, Andrew's preferred pick is the Qual ETF, or if you're concerned about the currency, the hedged version of that. Hillgrove Resources, weakness in copper price. Too many risks for Andrew. It's a hold and it's a hold for Henry Jennings as well. Um, yeah, he says no one cares about copper right now. So why would you buy today at least? Global X e, uh, ACDC ETF, it's a buy for Andrew, but it's not for Henry Jennings because right now it's... Uh, he calls it a car ETF, and he doesn't want to be buying shares in global car makers. It's not the way to play the lithium bottom. He likes that um, He likes that tie-up between Livent and Alcom. Okay, Clarity Pharma, it's a hold, but Andrew would buy on any pullback. And uh, Henry has put a price to that. He says $2.25 he'd look to add. A lot of optimism built into this one. It's a hold for him today. And Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals, you heard what the guys were just saying. It's a hold from both. Okay, so that's a summary of what we've learned thus far. We've got a, let's call it a fantasy portfolio. As I mentioned, the Investment Committee's most recent meeting is up online, ausbiz.com.au. Let's check in with the update. Challenger sold, Santos added. Ooh, weightings of CSL and Macquarie, which is really interesting, of course, in light of this week's news uh, in regards to that Woodside Santos merger. Uh, CSL and Macquarie were reduced, the exposure to added AUB and Karoon Energy. Instead, portfolio performance up 24% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March 2022. So requests, keep them coming and keep the call switched on to find out what will be coming down the pipeline next. And so far, nothing from today. Let's see if that changes in the second half of the program. Brookside Energy, Alcidian, IAG Car Group, which reports, I think, next week, and Mervac. So let's get going with Brookside Energy. BRK is the ticker code recently uh, written in by Peter. He says, currently holding, you know, around the one cent mark. Is it worth holding onto? or not. So this is a minnow. This is an absolute tiny company. Um, oil and gas sector. So it's in the United States, operating in the United States from what I can see. Um, but clearly, Henry, there's a long way to go for this company to be anything of significance. And when you consider what's going on with the price of oil right now, like why would you hold something like this or why would you buy it today? Um, well, it's only a cent, so you can buy lots of them. Uh, is one thing. There's I'm looking for a good... better reason than that, Henry. Yeah, I know. I know you are, Nadine. But, you know, you can buy a million of these and have a bit of fun. Uh, the, I, I guess, you know, Brookside, it's it's got some uh, drilling coming up in Western Australia. They've got this Flames Maroon uh, development plan happening. Uh, they've got an operations update recently. And the Sanford Pad drill rig is ready to rock and roll. So maybe that's going to set uh, fire to this share price. I have to say, you know, it's a $52 million market cap. It's not bad. I mean, they've got, uh, you know, a strong cash position. They've got 26 million bucks in cash. So, you know, half the share price is in cash. They've got even got cash receipts, $12.2 million uh, with positive operating cash flow, $3.1 million. Um, the, the problem is... 
There's 4.7 billion pieces of paper out there in terms of shares outstanding. So, you know, that, that, <laughs> these guys have got more bits of paper than, you know, you can shake a stick at. That, that's the problem. So, you know, it takes a lot to move the dial. Whether Sanford Pad, this drill that they've just uh, going to line up in WA, is going to do things, or we shall wait and see. That's in the uh, Anadarko Basin. Uh, so uh, that may get things fired up. But certainly, you know, if you're a believer in this one, you're probably going to be a believer for a long time. But, you know, 4.7 billion shares tells you something. But it, it's one of those ones I'm sure hot copper will go, you know, they'll be frothing at the back of this one when they start drilling uh, for something to happen. But, um, you know, and it could go from one cent to 1.3, <laughs> in which case you're going to make 30% on your money. But, um, yeah, not, not really one that's cropped up on my radar, I have to say, Nadine. But um, if you're a believer... Wait for the drilling. You might get a chance to sell. All right. There you go. So it's a hold if you're in it, but it's an avoid if you're not. Okay. That's how I sum it up. Andrew, any thoughts on Brookside Energy? It's, it's really a, a compelling statement when you say, you know, there might be an opportunity to sell it down the track. You know, that really sort of <laughs> yeah. sells it. <laughs> Good point. Okay. So, well made. Yeah. Nothing says buy like sell it in, on strength, does it? Um, look, I mean, we've, I've been lucky enough to be doing the call. I think this is my fourth year of doing the call. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. And one of the first companies we covered was Brookside. Hmm. And looking hmm. back at my notes, the share price then was three cents. Um, here we are today knocking on the door of one. Uh, and to Henry's point, $26 million in the piggy bank. On market buyback, um, buying back shares at an average price of around 1.25 cents, uh, likely to go back to shareholders uh, wanting to buy more shares. I think it's something like about 18% of all transactions at the moment is actually Brookside buying back shares. So, you know, there's lots of reasons to be thinking about it, you know, from a financial point of view, it's a P of three. Um, but what's, what's the catalyst? What's going to drive it? Um, so I can think of plenty of reasons not to be there. I wouldn't be selling it if I'm a, uh, I'm a long-suffering shareholder, but I can certainly think of lots of reasons not to be there either. So it is on balance a hold. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Let's move on from that one. Get to Alcidian. This is for Philip. I think this is the same Philip, maybe. Anyways, hey, Phil. He says, I've been riding the Alcidian train down the past two years. Should I stay on it? It's got a good product. I'm sure it will eventually be profitable or get bought out. But psychologically, I'm pretty battered. Do you think the turning point is around the corner? Yeah, that's an interesting one, Henry. So I was going to say with Brookside, uh, you know, it's not just holding on to something because then inevitably you're leaving something on the table when you could have been invested someplace else. Like Alcidian, yeah. everyone agrees that it has been you know, that, that what it's doing and how it's being run is right. But is it if it just can't seem to get over this lumpy nature of, uh, you know, its revenue and turn it into a profit, Henry? Yeah, I mean, this, this is the problem, isn't it? This is the perennial problem with uh, with retail investors, private investors. I feel your pain, Philip. Um, I'm also seriously wondering if I should keep more notes because Andrew obviously does a far better job at it than I do. But I, I do feel your pain. The problem is that as a private investor, you don't have unlimited funds. You can't buy everything that everyone tells you to buy. Um, 
unfortunately. And if you're hanging on to stocks in the vague hope that something's going to happen, you know, you may be missing opportunities elsewhere. It's about deployment of capital. And Alcidian, I've seen these guys present a number of times at small cap conferences, etc. And I love the thought of it. I love the idea of it. I remember going back to the UK a few years ago and seeing my mum in hospital and she had, you know, reams of bits of paper on a clipboard at the end of her bed. And you just looked at it and think, really, we're still doing this? It's 2020, whenever it was, 2020, 21 or whatever year it was. We're still doing this in the 21st century. Haven't we moved on? These guys have got the solution. It's just the National Health Service hasn't got the money. And unfortunately, they're being very tardy. And it's probably cheaper to put bits of paper at the end of the bed than it is to put uh, Alcidian technology in terms of that data management systems at the end of the bed. So it has been a, a torrid time for shareholders. They've been nothing but slipping slidey away. $69 million market cap. You know, they, they talk a good story. It's great technology. It's a great idea. But unless the National Health Service finds some money, maybe it will. It's election year in the UK. Maybe with Sunak gone, and uh, Starmer in, uh, the National Health Service will have a bit of a, a cash injection, but the UK needs cash to do that. I, I certainly wouldn't be chucking it out, Phil, but the problem is it's a question of, of managing your resources and whether you can get better bang for your buck elsewhere. This looks as if it's trying to bottom, to be honest, and uh, I wouldn't be throwing it out, but it, it's been a long, hard road, and it's really been a National Health Service cash issue with pushing back on how quickly it implements uh, this new technology. Okay, so it's a hold if you are in it. Let's find out what Andrew thinks. Alcidian, have you been a believer? Are you still? Uh, have not been a believer, and I'm trying to think of the lyric. I'm sure Henry will help me in a moment, but um, I, uh, I think Phil... Thank you. Uh, I would actually think Philip has answered his own question. And what I mean by that is that when you when when companies turn, it's just when people capitulate, you know, it's all too hard. I've ridden this all the way down. I can put my money elsewhere. Just get me out. You know, that capitulation moment is usually maximum return. So, you know, from that point of view, if there's lots of um, shareholders that have ridden at 65% down over the last 12 months, down 37% per annum over the last three years, then perversely, you might actually be saying to yourself, you know, if people are capitulating, it's actually bottomed. Now, to Henry's point, though, like that's the investor psychology piece. The other part of the puzzle is the business actually doing the business. And there's all those points that Henry quite rightly spoke about relating to the NHS. Uh, I always get very nervous when companies talk about hockey sticks and, you know, the first half was ordinary, but the second half will be better. Uh, my experience in 27 years of uh, being a, a used share salesman, if I can put it so delicately, is that it very rarely uh, is very rarely does that. Very that very rarely does the hockey stick actually get its act together. So um, I note that they've got about eight million dollars cash to hand, which prior to 31 December was only two quarters of cash. They've had some more money come in subsequently, but if you're relying upon government. Um, to sort of help you, um, then, yeah, you've got a few issues. So it's certainly a hold at best. I can't bring myself to say it's a buy. Got it. Thank you, guys. So, Philip, hope that does help. Again, information only. Let's get on to, I mean, this is really going to the other 
end of the market, isn't it, than what many of these companies we've been discussing. This is IAG, Insurance Australia Group, picked by Alicia. So they've been a big beneficiary of premium hikes. Um, can that tailwind continue, Andrew? Oh, well, there's two things that have been helping them, Nadine. It's not only sort of, you know, premium hikes. I mean, here in here in Toowoomba, um, my um, house insurance went up 20-odd percent, uh. um, you know, which is a lot. Um, so certainly not only are they sticking it to you on the premium side, insurers, as opposed to IAG, but the other side of the course, Nadine, is investment returns have been a lot friendlier. Insurance companies generally tend to sort of invest in bonds and, and dare I say, the boring stuff. So quick plug for your upcoming segment, uh, that conference that I was at, lots of the commentary was around bonds and mm -hmm. the need to look at that mm -hmm. closely. So if you're an Ausbiz viewer, listener, make sure you sign up. That's really important. And insurers are certainly uh, benefiting from that tailwind as well. So from that point of view, insurance is far more appealing. In the case of IAG, PE of 15 times, that's sort of around what the market consensus is. You're only looking at forecast earnings growth at around 10%. So in other words, all the, the premium price rises, it'll probably start backing off a little bit. So from a valuation, it's probably not that great. Return on equity, so coming all the way back to AQUAL, return on equity is only about 6%. It's a pretty ordinary return on equity compared to some of the other insurers. And the way that we'd prefer to play it is still doing it through the brokers. You know, you do a steadfast or you do an AUB or something like that. So it's okay, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it would be a hold. A hold for IAG. Hold. Henry, any love for IAG? <laughs> We've got more holds today than the Olympic Greco-Roman wrestling. Let's face it, it's um, it's quite scary. I, I'd be in the hold category as well. It's it's run really hard. I mean, obviously, it's it's very much an inverse relationship to uh, interest rates. As interest rates go uh, go down or up, then in theory, this one should uh, move in the opposite direction. Higher interest rates should play into the into uh, IAG because. There was actually a very good article today in the Sydney Morning Herald from Wally Dali about uh, insurance companies because there is a bit of uh, regulatory threat out there. There is a bit of an inquiry going on. Remember the Hain Royal Commission into banks, which uh, celebrated its five-year anniversary a week or so ago. Uh, but there is a bit of a look at insurance, and when you see, when you look at the CPI numbers, which we uh, which we see, and obviously the RBA looks at, as Andrew rightly points out, insurance costs are through the roof, literally. Um, it's no surprise that uh, the biggest advertisers on TV are insurance companies, Budget Direct. God, that pair is annoying as hell. Um, but they've got a gig for life, it appears. They spend a lot of money on insurance, these guys. They spend a lot of money on branding. And they're all owned, to some extent, by the same couple of companies. They just differentiate a little bit on branding. This one is a hold for me. Uh, they're putting through those price rises. Uh, house price, uh, house insurance, car insurance, everywhere you look, you're getting inflation plus uh, rises for insurance. These guys, you know, they're going to get walloped by this uh, investigation in terms of uh, their ability or their propensity to pay out because they don't really like paying out once there is some sort of catastrophe or you get a flood damage or whatever. Uh, that is not in their DNA. They like to hold the money for as long as humanly possible and not pay out. So it's it's a good business model in some respects. This is a hold up here. It's not cheap. Uh, some years ago, Warren Buffett was uh, pretty interested in IAG. 
And there were even talk that he was going to make a, a tilt for IAG as well. I think he's still got a small shareholding. And I guess if it's good enough for Woz, it's good enough for me. But it is expensive. It's a hold here. Expensive. Okay. And now let's get to one. So, Henry, you didn't want to own ACDC because it was giving you exposure to cars. How about a car thematic and a tech thematic as well? So this one is for Kevin. It is car group and um look it's been uh, you know it's been doing quite well it's got an international strategy that um, many say it has executed quite well as well i'm just looking because i'm pretty sure it's next week yeah it's monday and we'll be speaking with the ceo um yep. cameron mcintyre so ahead of that um what's your view on car uh, i like car i've got to say there's nothing wrong with this at all it's had a really really good run I guess, you know, the, the focus has shifted a little bit, uh, not just Australia anymore, but obviously the US as well with that sort of consolidation of their business over there. The US economy is going gangbusters. Having said that, car prices, used car prices are coming off, but used car prices coming off is, is kind of a good thing mm -hmm. if you're in the listings business because uh, there's probably more transactions, there's more people selling and buying cars if they're a little bit cheaper. So I still like this one. It's got Latin America exposure and Brazil, South Korea, Malaysia. And it's, it's, it's global. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with this one at all. It has run pretty hard. You know, we've got it in the fantasy portfolio. I think we put it in a little while ago as one of the ones that we uh, added as a technology play, which has turned out quite well. And so um, I'd certainly be holding it here. Would I be buying it? all the way up here at $33.50 or wherever we are at the moment. Some of these things are just run really, you know, we're, we're at all time highs pretty close on in our index. So are you going to be piling in at these highs or are you going to wait for a pullback? I'd prefer to be a little patient, but you might have to be uh, a bit quick on your toes to, uh, to snaffle this one on a pullback. But it, quality company, quality marketplace, doing all the right things. Uh, it's certainly a long term hold. If you're a trader, maybe wait for a bit of a pullback. Got it. Thank you. What do you think, Andrew? I mean, could you, why would you buy now when you see, um, you know, where the share price is? Why would you buy now, Nadine? Mm. I, I think that's the, that's the consensus view here. Uh, speaking of consensus, it's trading close to in-line valuation with consensus. And you're being asked to pay uh, 32 times earnings for a business which is growing at around 14%. 14% EPS growth is nothing to sneeze at at all, far from it. But 32 times earnings for that, mm, not so sure. So to Henry's point, great business. I mean, it's really Fairfax 2.0, isn't it? When you think about it, it's part of the, uh, you know, the realestate.com or the domains, uh, this, you know, they sort of took the rivers of gold from Fairfax all those years ago. So we know that thematic is a good business and obviously it's now global. Uh, but being asked to pay 32, 33 bucks for this, you know, it's a 27, $30 that's the time to be buying it. It's it's okay, but it's not cheap, so it's a hold. It's a hold. Let's get to Mervac. Andrew, you mentioned Mervac in our conversation with Boral. Um, so, Mervac, buy, hold, or sell? Uh, it's a hold for property in general. We need to sort of get a bit of an idea as to where interest rates are going. I mean, the consensus view is that interest rates have now peaked. Um, but there's still a, a still a danger that that may not be the case. You know, some weird stuff ha starts happening in the Red Sea. 
Uh, we see a spike in the oil price, inflation ticks up and the Reserve Bank won't be able to help themselves. So certainly until we get some stability in interest rates, I think all property, uh, you would be cautious in the short term as in listed and unlisted property. In the context though of Mervac and what we were talking about before at this conference that I was at, one of the key thematics that came out is what they call build to rent. So in other words, whereby you have institutional investors coming to Australia providing money for people to buy thousands, uh, sorry, to build rather thousands of units uh, because housing is so unaffordable here in Australia. Uh, and there's a real opportunity. I mean, it's probably a conversation in itself around that whole thematic. So Mervac is certainly trying to get involved in that. They're looking at building around 5,000 units and basically <coughs> It's a bridge for either first homeowners or for popular uh, for people moving to Australia. Australia, as an example, uh, last year had the strongest population growth out of the G20. Uh, obviously, the government, the federal government's looking at reining that in a little bit, but they've got to live somewhere. And so, from the point of view of that institutional demand for this style of product in the US, the market is about $22 billion from memory. Uh, the UK, there's only about 80,000 units, but it's starting to pick up and here in Australia. So a long way of saying that uh, some of these managers, Charter Hall's another one that's got exposure to it. It's an interesting thematic in itself, but if we come back to Mervac, because that's what you're asking me mm -hmm. about, they've got uh -huh. some underperforming property, um, um, office assets rather, and office is a big issue at the moment across that whole sector. So... Look, it's trading in line with consensus. The result that came out yesterday was ahead of expectations, but, you know, five years it's returned 1% per annum relative to the index, which has returned 9 It's not really shooting the lights out. And again, in the short term, what's going on with interest rates? So it's a hold. But consider that bill to rent thematic in in isolation. That might be something to think about across that whole sector. Okay. Um, Henry, buy, hold, sell, Mervac. Uh, I think it's a hold here. The results were okay. Uh, it's been uh, the whole sector, the whole REIT sector has been on a, a massive afterburn, hasn't it? It's been extraordinary. We've seen this uh, the, once that the interest rates kind of cycle has been locked in that we're not going to see any more rate rises and REITs, you know, we, we've seen the whole uh, work from home thing unravel a little bit. Uh, the property market hasn't collapsed. Uh, etc. You know, the Goodman Group heading towards uh, highs again, etc, etc. It's been a stellar sector. This one has rallied from a sort of a $1.80 to $2.25. It has performed pretty well. I'd be a hold. It's not the most exciting. I, I'm not sure we're going to get much build to rent in Australia, frankly, because there's not many places to build. Uh, and that's one of our problems. We do have huge uh, housing shortage in the right places uh, at the right price as well. So uh, these guys, $35 billion under management in terms of assets, uh, a pretty diversified portfolio. It is a hold. You know, a lot of these companies in the REIT space, they, they make their money by revaluations of uh, commercial property, and that's where they get the sort of the uplift. We've seen very little in terms of downward revaluations because they basically haven't been trading any of the commercial properties. So there's nothing to uh, to benchmark. Um, yeah, 225, it's a hold. I mean, it's... it's yeah, it's not, not very exciting either way, but um, yeah. And it's always good to get uh, feedback from a man who's come back from a conference full of, yeah, full of the jewels. Yeah, full of jewels. Full I of feel jewels. like that sometimes when I leave the yeah. office and get in front of smart people, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. not that I'm well, not in front of smart people now, of course. Yeah. 
I've got to say, you failed today miserably to get in front of any smart people. But well, what I do appreciate is uh, Andrew doing some of our marketing for us earlier. Let me just get you across the details of the bond revolution. <laughs> it is an investor event, as always, free. You just have to register. So uh, particularly toward the end of last year, we had so many questions coming from our viewers of how you maximize returns, minimize risk using fixed income strategies. So we'll go beyond, like this is not just government bonds, right? This is, um, yeah, right across the fixed income spectrum. We do hope you can join us for it. Ausbiz.co forward slash bonds to register. It's 11 a.m. live on the 21st of Feb. But of course, once you register, we will send it to you to watch at your leisure. So we'll keep reminding you of that uh, just in case you're one of those people like me that puts things like that off a bit. Okay, um, just to revamp or review what we've learned. So hold for um, Brookside Energy if you're already in it, but an avoid if you're not from Andrew and Henry. Alcidian hold from both of my guests. IAG hold. Yeah, it is feeling like a Greco-Roman wrestling match, <laughs> isn't it, Henry? Um, yeah. Look, car group hold, but probably just because of where the valuation is right now. It's an, you know a great business in both of the guys' views. Mervac hold. Oh my gosh. Uh, wow. Well, if you're still with us, <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't left us. Thank you for watching. A huge thanks to Andrew and Henry, as always, for joining us. Nice to see you guys on a Friday. So I hope you have a great weekend and we look forward to when we see you again. Thanks, thank Dan. Thanks, Henry. And of course, thank you for watching or listening. If you'd like us to cover any stocks, go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks. So that's how you get to us. Stay with us. We've got plenty more to come.